Do you want more sustainable business growth in your business? Are you tired of sales numbers that yo-yo back and forth and the excuses that go with them? Well then, it's time to get a grip and my next guest, Mr. Rex Neckley, will tell you how. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Rex Neckley helps sales professionals get the best out of themselves and their teams. And he's the founder of First Avenue Advisors. Whether it's sales management or sales coaching, Rex has done it all. He's demonstrated sales and marketing leadership, averaging over 22% annual organic growth for 25 years. He's built highly successful sales teams, as well as been a sales team turnaround expert, igniting cultural change to turn around three struggling organizations. His experience in the U.S., Europe, and Asia includes managing territories, reviving a national accounts program, building an international strategic business unit, and leading global sales organizations for two different billion-dollar companies. Rex says the key to sustainable revenue generation is a healthy balance of domain knowledge and enabling skills, and I'm definitely going to ask him about that. And during the course of his career, he's effectively used those strategies across an array of goods and services, everything ranging from commodity products, specialty products, and custom offerings. Rex has a double major Bachelor of Science degree in business from Ohio State University, and he's attended numerous executive education programs at Harvard, Wharton, Michigan, and UCLA. What a privilege to have him here with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Rex. Well, hi, Hannah. This is uh, very exciting for me, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak with you. Well, I'm excited to have you here because talking about superior sales performance is something that everybody wants in their business. In your experience, how is sales different today than it was 10 or 20 years ago? Well, I think everybody knows from their own experience and the experiences they have with others that buyers are more informed today. They're better educated. Many of them have MBAs. Uh, and they have a complete understanding of the selling processes that they get subjected to every day. So how does that impact the sales conversations we have? Well, that means that those that sell need to understand what their role is. And their role really, and you'll hear me say this a lot today and probably the rest of my life, the role is not so much to sell, but it is to help buyers buy. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Can you tell me more? Well, there is a, a school of thought that selling processes are things that you do to people. So, And most people don't like to be processed. I know I don't. But if you think about most organizations, they'll say, we have a sales process, and this is what our sales process does. And they talk on and on and on about their sales process, and the buyer almost never gets mentioned in their sales process. And it, the buyers end up feeling like they're being processed. What I espouse is a buying process or understanding the buyer buying process, which is essentially the same 
around the world, and it's been the same since the beginning of time. Anybody that wants to acquire anything literally goes through five steps. And if it's maybe you're choosing what you're going to have for lunch, so you go through those five steps in a matter of seconds, maybe you're buying a house, maybe you're looking for your long-term spouse. And again, that's an acquisition process. So those five steps that I know you're going to ask are the demonstration of an unmet or underserved need, the evaluation criteria that you're going to use as the buyer, and then look at your competitive alternatives. And there's always the alternative not to do anything or not to make a change. Then you want to look at your, your alternatives that you've decided on and look at them through a risk uh, mitigation model. And then you want to negotiate if there is negotiation in this, and then you want to make the acquisition. So that's really the biggest difference. And most people are stuck in a selling process as opposed to paying attention to the buyer and understanding how to have conversations based and through the lens of a buying process. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, I've heard you say that the sustainable revenue generation model is really about balancing domain knowledge and enabling skills. So how do these five steps fit into that? Right. Well, domain knowledge is knowledge of the thing or the service or the product that uh, the selling side or the selling organization is presenting and uh, trying to sell. So a necessary and sufficient knowledge of that is important. I mean, you don't want to buy something from somebody they don't know what they're selling. Many times people rely on complete knowledge of what they're selling and forget about the enabling skills, which is that, you know, some people call it the software side. Quite frankly, I call it the, the other side of the coin. It's skills like critical and creative thinking, effective use of questions, pregnant pauses, not interrupting the clients or the customer, negotiation, communication, time management, being skilled at these literally make the difference between a conversation and a meaningful exchange that I like to call on purpose with a purpose. So the, the buyer feels enriched and enabled to continue on with his or her buying process. So that's somebody's actually paying attention to them, huh? Well, nobody likes to be processed, and yes, if they're being paid attention to with good questions, with not interrupting, and when I say good questions, I mean questions such as, starts with a W, they're open-ended, they're encouraging a conversation, they're encouraging what they want, why they want it, how they want it, what they fear about the choices that they may make, so the seller can act like a partner as opposed to uh, the opposite side of the desk. A quick example of something like that we all live with is, uh, we all we all have gone to a doctor one time or another in our life, and it would be horrifying for all of us to walk into uh, a doctor's office and him look at us or she look at us and say, here, take these pills, things will be fine. Well, uh, gosh, uh, do you sell those pills or is this all you know? Is this all, why aren't you asking me what I'm here for, what I would consider successful, what I think my needs are, uh, what I'm afraid of? And let's talk about maybe some of the different alternatives to get me to the solution I want. So if you think about the interaction that you would have with a doctor and the similarities that you would want to have with someone that is helping you buy something, uh, I think you'll start seeing the, the difference between being sold on a process and helping somebody helping you buy something. 
Yeah, that's definitely becoming clearer. So is it fair to say that this combination of domain knowledge, knowing what you're talking about as far as being a subject matter expert on your product or service, combined with these enabling skills, and in your doctor example, that would be having a good bedside manner, showing that you care about the customer, about the patient, as opposed to just take these pills, call me in the morning kind of thing. So the domain and enabling skills being the two keys to superior sales results and growth? Absolutely. Uh, in the absence of one, you just you are a talking brochure. And with, like I said at the beginning, with better informed and better educated buyers, they don't need a talking brochure. They want to know that you know what you're selling, but they're probably not depending on you for a lot of the information. What they want you to do is make sure, like the doctor does, that you completely understand what their, their unmet need is, how they're going to decide what a good solution is, and then mitigate their fears. Because to make it purchase, whether you're risking your money or somebody else's money, uh, you are putting yourself a little bit at risk, especially if you're trying something new, and also your political capital within your own organization. So you're exactly right. People aren't listening to you, and they just want to do what they want to do, which is sell something and make a number. And that doesn't feel good. People tend to buy from people they like, and they tend to like people that help them feel good. Yeah, sure. It's the basis of trust. So that is that is huge. So in your experience, what have you seen to be the biggest cause of underperformance in sales? Well, I think there's two, and I think there's only two, a lack of knowledge and lack of focus. And when I say a lack of knowledge, I, there's so many people that don't understand how to help somebody buy something. So that's the lack of knowledge part. The lack of, lack of focus would be on uh, executing the enabling skills. Everybody knows you're supposed to ask open-ended questions and not closed-ended questions, but they forget that in the moment, in the heat, in the, in the conversation. They get excited, so they lose their focus. Everybody knows you're not supposed to interrupt uh, the client when they're talking, but they forget that and they want to be the answer man or the answer woman or the answer person and they interrupt. So when they lose their focus on executing the enabling skills, which which have probably been taught since in fifth grade uh, or, or sooner, uh, but you lose your focus, then you, you lose the complete value of even knowing those uh, enabling skills. So it's lack of knowledge and lack of focus. That makes a lot of sense. Now, we've been talking about you sort of this concept and process that kind of a 10,000-foot level. Let's bring this down to ground zero. What are, th- are three common mistakes made in the selling and buying conversation? You got some examples, some stories. Well, um, let me just give you what the top three are, and then I'll think about this examples or stories. The top three, in my mind, are, are depending on a selling process as opposed to a buying process. So again, what that means is if the biggest mistake that I see is people saying, this is our sales process. So they end up doing something to the buyer rather than with the buyer. Uh, the only example that I'll, I'll I com, come up with on that is uh, my lawn care. This is a personal example of my lawn care. Uh, I have uh, the people that I've gone with, they literally talk to me about what I want to achieve, what am I, what am I worried about, do I worry about chemicals, do I worry about bugs, do I worry about these things. They've brought me through this. The people that I did not choose had a selling process. They came, it was very rigid, they had a notebook, they went through a bunch of stuff, and then they handed me a proposal. They, they didn't really ask me any questions, they told me how it was going to go, and it was, uh, it was very disconcerting. So that's number one. The second biggest mistake that I see is a poor understanding on how to use the power of questions. And that's simply, and I, I know that a lot of this is sounding redundant, but it is incredibly simple. Asking closed-ended questions as opposed to open-ended questions does not meet uh, a very rich uh, cover or end up in a very rich conversation. 
I'll use an example. Uh, uh, my wife and I, and I tease her all the time because she's been around me for a long time. And occasionally she'll ask me closing the questions and I'll have a little fun. So she'll say, do you want to see XYZ movie? And I'll say, no. She'll say, what do you want to see this movie? And I'll say, no. She'll say, well, then, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to see a movie. But she didn't ask me, you know, would you like to see a movie or what movie would you like to see? You asked me specifically uh, if I wanted to see that movie or that movie. This happens a lot in sales calls. People will ask the question, and based on the answer, which is true, the buyer will give them a true answer. They'll completely change their, their ideas on what the buyer wants. They'll make some assumptions, and they'll go down a wrong path. So, again, poor understanding about how to use the power of questions. Equally, how to answer questions. Many times buyers are asking uh, sales professional questions. Now, you need to understand if you're asking questions, they're either trying to establish their evaluation criteria based on what you can help them with, or they're, they're highlighting what their fears are or what their risks are. So if someone says, well, do you have a money-back guarantee? Rather than saying yes or no and, and, and explaining what that is, you would say yes or no, help me understand why that's important to you. So they've, they've asked you a closed-ended question. You could answer it in a closed-ended way. But in fact, if you answer quickly, great. You should ask it the way it's, uh, it's asked to you. Answer it the way it's asked to you. And then understand that, hey, that person is demonstrating that they've got some risk in their mind that they want to mitigate. So help me understand why it's important to you. Oh, well, this is important, and this is the process here, and this is one of our rules we have to follow. Great. Is there anything else about this transaction that worries you or that you feel like that we have to take care of uh, before we can move further. Now you're asking him to him or her to reveal the entire list of fears that have to be mitigated before you can even think about getting to the negotiation stage and then uh, having the uh, buyer uh, complete the transaction. But many people don't do that. And here's the problem with that. They, they go through, they say, gosh, that was a great meeting. The client didn't bring up anything except a, a, a guarantee, money-back guarantee. I answered that. We're off to the races. Give a proposal, and you don't hear back from them. Well, they've had some fears that didn't get mitigated by you, but they might have gotten mitigated by your competitor, or they went to the the, uh, uh, the no-choice uh, option and said, well, I was going to do that, but I can't figure out why I'm uncomfortable with buying anything, so I'm not going to. So again, a poor understanding about the power of questions, not only asking them, but answering them. And then the third one, which is going to be kind of funny because I'm doing a lot of talking here today, but the third one is talking too much, too fast, too often before seeking to understand. And I think we've all been in scenarios where there's sales professionals that come in and they show up and they just tell everything they know. And they talk too much, they talk too fast, they talk too often, and oh, by the way, uh, they haven't asked any questions to help them understand how the conversation should go. So the big three that I see is depending on a sales process as opposed to understanding the buying process, poor understanding of how to use the power of questions, both in asking them and answering them, and then talking too much, too fast, too often before seeking to understand. Those are great. I, I like number two because confused people don't buy. So if there is an unanswered objection that you don't know about, yeah, you're right. Either they, they go with somebody that can answer it or they just do nothing because they're they're right. stuck so that third one about people talking too much and not listening i had that happen to me once in a software acquisition we were very clear about this is what we needed it to do and even though the software had all these options you know column a column b just went on and on and we just needed a very streamlined version and they wound up giving us a quote for things that 
we told them specifically we didn't need. And then they were surprised when we didn't right. pick them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that really does does work. So now, you know, let's say somebody, because of their default training from, you know, the, the past, does get into a, a customer meeting and does start talking too much um, and and suddenly finds themselves, you know, falling into one of these three traps that you've just identified. Is there a way that they can dig themselves out? Well, if you're in the middle of it uh, and you have that immediate self-awareness, most selling situations that I've been in, in coaching situations where someone's, I, I can understand and I see when they've caught themselves and they pivot or they reverse or they start doing the right thing. And it typically does not harm the call. Uh, if they're in the middle of it and they, they don't have that awareness, there's really not much to, you can do. Uh, now, as far as companies, in general, uh, what I would suggest is they find themselves like their sales team is in this regularly and when the, the leaders go out, they see this. I suggest people just put themselves in the shoes of those that they call on and see how that feels. Now, you probably want to do this metaphorically, uh, but you could run some sales call uh, scenarios within your own organization. Uh, but that's really the, the, the easiest way. So people think about, hey, here's how this sales call went. Let me see how that would feel if I were the buyer. And that gives a lot of uh, awareness to folks. So is that the kind of process that you take clients through? Is that how you begin your diagnosis? Well, the diagnosis is really a conversation that I have with them. Um, I, I teach through inquiry. So uh, I'll ask, you know, somebody comes to me and they say, listen, we've got, we've got a smart team. We've got an informed team. They understand our product inside and out. They're likable. People like them. They're well-networked. Uh, well uh, but somehow or another, we're not doing, we're not getting to where we want to go. So I, I talk to whoever's thinking about hiring me, and I ask them, well, help me understand your current processes and your current, current approach. Let's talk about what's working and, and how you know that it's working. Let's talk about what's not working and why you think it's not working from your point of view, the failure point. And I'll do some diagnosis on that and understand, and again, it comes down to this very basic thing. Um, and uh, once we get to the spot where we want to be, I'll come in and I'll, I'll literally put everybody through two half-day sessions of understanding buying process, understanding questions, understanding these things. And I literally, you know, I'm the reduce it to practice guy. I literally go in the field with my clients, sales professionals, and we plan the call together. We talk about what's important on the domain knowledge side and the uh, enabling uh, skill side. We make the call. We plan the call. We have the call. We debrief the call not based on the outcomes of the call, but based on the uh, activity within the call. What questions did we ask? How did that go? What questions were we asked? How did that go? So we debrief that, and we continue to benchmark against best practice. And after, I'd say, two or three calls, people start to get it. They start to feel it. It's intuitive to them. The thing that separates me from most of the programs that are out there, and this is what my clients tell me, is that when we talk about this, it's easy to understand. It's easy to internalize. It's easy to do because it's, it's intuitive, and they see results quickly. So that, the process really isn't much of a process as opposed to uh, just having a conversation with somebody and talk about what the doctor does. The doctor says, hey, let's talk about why you're here. Let's talk about what's not working. Why do you suppose that is? I've seen this before. Is this a case where you guys are doing it? Okay. Now, the doctor doesn't actually go home with you and make sure that you eat right and you exercise and you sleep well, but uh, 
other than that, the doctor and I are, are doing very similar uh, approaches. So basically, you're taking the abstract concepts and reducing them to practice and doing a little hand-holding until you can take the training wheels off. Make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, a little bit of patting myself on the back here. I literally still get calls from people that I have helped learn these things. And again, they're not complicated, but be aware of these things. I get calls from people that I that I've worked with eight years ago, nine years ago. So call me up when you're changing planes in an airport. Hey, I just want to let you know, the stuff that we, we learned together with you, Rex, it's still working and things are going great. So it's, uh, it's not onerous. Uh, there's no acronyms. There's not a bunch of lists to remember. It's just, you know, a buying process is something we do every day. It's the same around the world. And that level of awareness, that conscious confidence, once you get it, it makes complete sense. And it's just not difficult. Well, that's what makes it a proven process and what I think is very, very appealing about this and one reason I wanted you to have on the show. But I'm really curious, in your experience, because you've, you've done so many different things in sales, which is the bigger challenge, growing a business team from scratch, a sales team, or turning around an underperforming team? Well, I like to do both, and they're both fun, and they both have their challenges. But to answer that specific question, hiring a new sales team and building it from scratch is more challenging. There's more moving parts. And the reason I say that is most underperforming sales teams just need knowledge and focus. So, And that's what I love to do. I love to help them understand what's actually going on because they've already got the domain knowledge. They already know about the furniture or their catering business or their chemicals or their plastics or whatever it is that they're selling, their services. They already understand that. So all I have to do is help them understand uh, is there, is what's actually happening in the call. Let's talk about your failure points. Let's talk about what that feels like to the buyer. And again, those, those five steps to the buying process, they don't change. And so that's what I love to do, and it doesn't seem like work to me. So I would have to choose hiring a new sales team from scratch. is more challenging, although it's fun, uh, but it's, a, it's uh, less challenging than taking an underperforming sales team and uh, helping them do better. Good. Now, you've worked with some really huge companies, mega billion-dollar companies in the past, large sales teams, large budgets. What three tips can smaller businesses and even startups with a lot more modest budgets use to be successful in sales and blazing a path for sustainable growth? Yeah, well, you know, the, the thrilling part about this is that achieving excellent sales outcomes is not expensive. If you win, you understand the buying process, and you forget your selling process, you're halfway home. So that's the number one thing I would say. Understand the buying process. And the buying process is the same for the guy in the mirror. So it's not hard. So that's the number one thing. And it's not expensive. You know, once you, you talk to somebody like myself, understand the, the power of strategic use of questions, both asking and answering them in, in such a way that you, you have a rich and meaningful exchange. Now, that's not any different than what you would do at home with your spouse or your kids or folks at church or the grocery store. The better questions you ask, the better and more meaningful and richer exchange you have. So that's not hard and it's not expensive. The third thing that's, that we should all do all day long with each other and ourselves in the whole world is be authentic and be immediate. Many times people are trying to, especially when they're, they feel like they're selling something, so that's the first problem, you're selling something, so you're doing something to somebody. But be authentic. Go there and say, look, I, I want to help you buy this. You know, I, I've seen this scenario. We've got a solution for this. Let me just help you with that. Be authentic about that as opposed to plastic or, or gosh, I've got a quote on me, and you're nervous and, you, and you're, you're not being authentic. So be authentic and be immediate. If somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, get back to them in 24 or 48 hours with the subject matter expert by your side on the phone. 
be immediate. If somebody asks you for something, get back to them. If they want an appointment with you, don't put them off. Time kills deals. So understand the buying process and forget your selling process number, process number one. Understand the power of strategic question use, both asking and answering, so you develop a meaningful and rich conversation. And be authentic and immediate. And none of those things, once you understand them, once you talk to somebody like myself, they do not cost money. They, they cost you some time in your head. But once you get them down, your results will be completely different than they used to be. So they just have to get smart about it. Get smart, that's right. All right. Now, before we went on the air, you shared with me some people who've influenced your career and thinking about sales. Can you tell us about one of them and, and the difference that it made? Well, you know, I don't want to be too toady with this, but I'm going to have to go back. Uh, you know, it's political season. Everybody wants to make it personal. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to mom and dad and uh, completely different reasons. Mom was a school teacher. She was an elementary school teacher. And I remember many, many, many times feeling like, well, mom's a teacher, so uh, I don't really have to pay attention. I'll just come home and ask her the questions and the answers, and it'll be cool. She taught us very quickly, uh, almost right out of the gate, was don't bring confusion home with you. That's critical in sales. If you're, if you're in a face-to-face selling uh, scenario with someone and you don't understand something, don't leave that, that conversation until you understand it. Going back to Stephen Covey, seek to understand do not bring confusion home with you. I can't tell you how many sales presentations that I've seen, unfortunately, that have completely missed the mark because the sales professional thought they heard something or didn't ask the question to make some assumptions when they came home, plan up the organization, everybody got excited, gave a presentation, and it was they were uh, giving a presentation on the wrong uh, scenario because they brought confusion home with them. I have a horrifying story uh, that I won't get into the, all the details, but... But suffice it to say uh, that after, and this is a big organization, this is one of the billion-dollar companies that I, I worked for. After I left there, two of the people that reported to me, for whatever reason, and this is you know one of those things where they lost focus, they thought they were talking to the right guy. They thought they understood what they were going to say. Everything was great. So everybody, one guy was in Chicago, one guy was in Germany. They both flew to France, gave a presentation, and the guy said, that's a great presentation, but the guy that you need to give this presentation to lives in Chicago. So they brought confusion home with them. It cost a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of embarrassment. Uh, and that's mom. That's the mom's side. Now, the dad's side is something that he taught me uh, when I was relatively young. Uh, he was a sales professional as well. And I was probably asking him some questions about something. He just looked at me and said, son, a good, day, a good deal is just a state of mind. A good deal is just a state of mind. And I, I noodled on that for know, a couple of decades probably and saying, okay, you know, what does that really mean? Well, at the end of the day, it comes back full circle. If you help somebody buy, it's something that they want to buy. They feel good about it. Their state of mind is, this is what I thought I wanted. I've got a little bit more clarity with my partner, the salesperson that's helping me through my process. Now my state of mind is where it needs to be. I'm happy to negotiate and make the purchase. A good deal is just a state of mind. So thanks, Mom and Dad. Excellent. Excellent. Now, if somebody wanted to do a deeper dive with you, learn more about First Avenue Advisors and more about you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, uh, easy. Uh, my first name is Rex, R-E-X, and then there's a really long uh, URL uh, or a, a backside of the uh, uh, email, so it's just rex at firstavenueadvisors.com. And it's advisors, O-R-S, not E-R-S. Uh, that's the only trip up. So it's rex at firstavenueadvisors.com. Drop me an email. Uh, I'm happy to communicate. We'll start a conversation. We'll see if there's any challenges I can help you with immediately. And if not, we'll, uh, we'll see where it takes. Perfect. 
We're also going to have a, a link to that email address and the URL to his website on businessconfidentialradio.com. So look for that on the episode page. You know, we're just about out of time here, and I, I know we could talk about this topic much longer. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Well, at the risk of sounding and, and being deceivingly simple, just stop selling and start helping buyers buy. Those are my final words. Wow. Brief. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. It, this has really been fascinating about just sort of flipping the tables on how people traditionally view the selling process because they're looking for the sale and all the focus put on that when really it can be a whole lot more productive to flip the table, put yourself into the buyer's shoes and focus on what it is that they are experiencing and how to help them make easier decisions. So thanks so much for sharing your experiences and insights with us, Rex. I'm really grateful for your time and so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. This has been a pleasure. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.